Hi, listeners. Welcome to the She Speaks Life podcast, a weekly encouragement where we share our God stories. I'm your host, Jamie Elizabeth, and I am so glad you are spending time with us today to listen. Hi, friends. I am super excited to have with me today Deb D'Armond sharing with us her God stories, so much wisdom on so many levels. Hi, Deb, and welcome to She Speaks Life. Hi, Jamie. I'm excited to be with you today. Oh, it's an honor. I am super excited, as you could tell. Uh, just for you listeners to know, Deb and I met through a dear friend of ours, and Deb is an author who has published many books, including the one we will be talking about today. It's called I Choose You Today, 31 Choices to Make Love Last. And she is an incredible speaker. She has also written for Focus on the Family. And along with all of that, she is an amazing relationship coach. And really, that's what we're going to be talking about today is how to help our spouse achieve their dreams in supporting, listening, and honoring them for a healthy relationship. So, Deb, let's get to know you more. I can't wait to get right into what you have for us today. Thanks, Jamie. Well, people ask me all the time, where'd you get the idea for this book? And my husband and I married as teenagers. We, we were 19. Mm-hmm. And when we stood at the altar, and I wore the big fancy white dress, and he wore the yellow tuxedo, and it seemed like such a good idea at the time, Jamie. <laughs> um, yeah. I look back on those pictures and we laugh. Um, we really had no clue what we were saying, I do, too, in that moment. We loved each other. We had dated for a little over two years. Both loved Jesus and really had no clue what life, love, and marriage would require of us. Sure. So fast forward 35 years, and we are visiting our oldest son and his wife as they're getting ready for the birth of their first baby, and our son, who lives with us here in Texas, also throughout the entire family. And we did a lot of fun things together, and one of the things we wanted to do was a good family photo of all of us, and we chose the beach. My, my son engaged a, a photographer, and the plan was to catch us all just as the sun was beginning to set over the water. Mm-hmm. And so each couple would have their own set of pictures, and then each of the boys and their families uh, stood in front of the photographer and it was our turn to go last and then we were going to do one big group picture. And as the photographer was sort of positioning Ron and I, I turned at one point, he said, turn and trace one another and Jamie, he, he went down in the sand and I thought, oh Lord, he's having a stroke or a heart attack <laughs> or something. Yeah. And I looked at him and he was clearly not in pain and the kids were all sort of clustered around and he said to me, Happy anniversary, babe. He said, if you knew then what you know now about what life in the last 35 years together would be, would you still choose me today? Aww. And I, now I know what all those words mean, Jamie, but I couldn't put them together to make a coherent 
parents thought in my head. <laughs> right. And I'm thinking, what is he doing here? And before I could say anything else, he reached in his pocket, he brought out a ring box, and he said, would you still say yes today? Aww. And I managed to navigate the lump in my throat and yeah. said, absolutely, sweetheart. And the kids were all whistling and clapping and yelling, uh-huh. and apparently they'd all been in on this big secret and were the world's worst secret keepers. That's something good. Yeah. And it was an amazing evening. But later, even sweeter, when I said to him, where on earth did that come from? Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't even really formally propose to me when we got engaged. And he said, I know. And he said, it's always bothered me. We knew so quickly we were going to get married. We just tried to make these wedding plans, Jeannie. Oh, wow. And okay. I had a lovely ring. And we had gone out for a real casual dinner. And he slipped it on my finger. And that was it. He said, every girl should have a proposal story, oh. even if it's 35 years late. Oh, my gosh. So you get a, you oh. get a little bit of an idea into the, into the 19-year-old kid that I, I could see was going to be the right guy in my life. Yeah. But, you know, the, the truth is, the question he asked me is, would you still choose me? Mm-hmm. And when people ask us now, eight years later, we'll be married 44 years in July. How have you guys done this? You're still very much in love. It's evident and you are best friends. And it really is about the choices that we make in life. Mm-hmm. Whether marriage works or it doesn't, it's all about our choices. Now, some days it's easy to choose one another. Mm-hmm. And on other days it's tougher. Right. But we, we knew going in that it was going to be one and done for us. Mm-hmm. He had come from a divorced family and then with a blended family. My parents were married 55 years and my father died. Very different backgrounds. But we had committed to Jesus going in. Mm-hmm. Whatever it took. We would choose him first, and that we would always choose one another. Mm. And, candidly, you know, we did, there were a lot of things we didn't know, yeah. but we were very clear that united in Christ is how we started, and, you know, it be, what we have to do to continue that, if we plan to finish strong, and J.D. finishing strong is our commitment. Yeah. So good. That's where the idea of choice came in for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with our marriage, we set the foundation first with God. And, you know, when you seek first the kingdom, everything else shall follow. I can relate to that and marrying my high school sweetheart. But I love that you say you don't know what you're getting yourself into. Oh, no. Yeah. No. You really don't. about crying babies at three o'clock in the morning and layoffs or unexpected job loss and yeah. all of the things that are natural every day and most couples encounter them along the way. Right. But I, I think one of the things that we've come to understand, especially now, not much for us 40 plus years ago, but we see a lot more couples spending more time, energy, and money on the wedding and the wedding plan than planning for the marriage. Mm, yeah. Weddings are big business these days, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to have a real life in Christ, that's the fancy, you know, favors of the wedding and the right entrees at the dinner and the cookie cake and all that stuff might make a lovely day, but it won't build a life. Right. It's, it's not, if that's where the, the, the focus is in, it won't build a life. Mm. And we also, mm-hmm. just like you said a moment ago, that 
when we choose him first, all those things are added to us. And we believe that the Word of God has to be the blueprint for the life of the believer. Mm-hmm. And so much of what we say informs what we think and ultimately how we act. There's a great scripture in the third chapter of James, verse 5, and I love the message translation. Mm-hmm. And it says, James tells us that a word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. So we can create life with it, or we can speak death over mm-hmm. a relationship, over a marriage, over love. Yeah. And so minding our mouth and making choices that support, really support us mm-hmm. and support our life together is so critical. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I learned, unfortunately, later on, the power in our tongue and what we can do with mm-hmm. that. You know, there's always that first time you're understanding that and believing it so much that you are taming your tongue when you talk. And... Yeah, you need to know that the last book uh, that I wrote was about marital conflict, and it's because we found a lot of ways to do it poorly mm-hmm. before we hit on something that really did work for us very well. Yeah. So it's not about having the perfect marriage. Right. Um, and God is the authority on marriage. It was his idea. And so one of the quotes that I included in the Bible is that when everything else fails, read the instructions. Well, for those of us who follow Jesus, that would be called the Bible, and it's readily available. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's full of wisdom. I think one of the things, too, to remember is that not only are we husband and wife, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. And right. so all of the scriptures that talk about how we are to behave within the confines of our relationship with brethren are still included in that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I, think we, I, think we, I, I think we forget that sometimes. I do. Yeah. I do. I think well, so you, you had it identified some areas that you really wanted to cover that the book includes. And one of them was help you achieve your goals and your dreams. Yes. And I, I have to tell you that the scripture that I chose for that was Proverbs thirteen twelve. Both deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfills the tree of life. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. If there's yeah. a tree of life for our spouse, we ought to be watering it yeah. and feeding it and helping it to grow the pink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will tell you that that was tested for us relatively early in our life. I think we've been married about eight or nine years. I was pregnant with baby number three. We have three sons. Mm-hmm. Ron was uh, an engineer, had been in a really good, solid company. And he came to me one evening and said, I want to talk to you about starting my own business. Well, Jamie, that sounded all kinds of things to me except good. <laughs> I was not interested in this conversation. Yeah. And as he began to talk about it, I could just see the enthusiasm and the excitement. He said, I've been praying about this for about six months, and he had never mentioned it to me. Mm-hmm. He said, because I wanted to know that it wasn't just one of my harebrained schemes, but it really did come from God. Sure, yeah. And so he began telling me about the opportunities, and all I can remember was, it, kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher, all I heard was, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I was... I was working two days a week because I had two toddlers, mm-hmm. and his, his company provided me insurance and all of those kinds of things. This baby was due like in four months, right? And I just put up all kinds of stop signs. Yeah, and I think it, especially when we're expecting a child, we're in nest mode. Yeah. We want security. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. And now that you say that, it reminds me of the fact that when we were pregnant with our first, mm-hmm. we had a job promotion opportunity, 
I ended up leaving the state, and I just said to him, I really feel like I want to be close to my family for this first baby. We know nobody in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And he never argued with me. He never kind of made the case. He just said, if that's what we need to do, then that's what we'll do. Something else will come along. So he had already deferred to me one time for opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so I did what all girls do. I call my best friend and complain to her about it. And she <laughs> let me kind of vent for a few minutes. And then she said, yeah, this is a field he's become kind of an expert in. He's been written up in some fairly prominent papers. I think that if you don't do this, you're going you're to regret it. Mm-hmm. And he'll never do it without you agreeing it. Yeah. And so we sat down together, and I asked him to tell me more about it. And, you know, he really did have a plan, Jamie. It wasn't just an idea. Mm-hmm. And I, I shared with him the things I thought were obstacles. And so I said, here are a couple of things that I need. And you're right, it was around security. You did it right on the net. Mm-hmm. And one of them was to have a certain amount of money in the bank before we did this. And when we were done, he said, I can totally own that. You can do it. And now it was our list to be prepared, not my list, but he had to full stock. He embraced it. Mm-hmm. And we prayed over it, and we began to see God checking things off that list, and I began to catch that enthusiasm. Right. And pretty soon it was our goal, not his. When, when you work together with somebody that you love to remove obstacles, and you overcome those things that you thought were barriers to getting where you wanted to go, even when it's primarily one person's dream, well, that makes it an exciting joint venture. And that's the game. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was the best, one of the best decisions we ever made mm. ever in our life. So good, so good. Well, I have a husband who has had lots of plans and dreams. Definitely more of a dreamer, that entrepreneur spirit. Yeah, <laughs> So yeah. I can relate to hearing the enthusiasm, me going through the, you know, well, what about this? What about that? Going through the checklist, more practical. But when all said and done, we come together as a team. And, you know, I have to say that I think it's been more traditional in some way for the man to have sort of the big ideas and the wife is in that support role managing home and meals and kids and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And that's true whether you're a, a Jesus follower or not. I think that's sort of still, interestingly, I think there's more balance these days, but I think still that there's a very traditional, well, if we have to choose between one career to really get behind and support, it's probably not going to be the life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's changing. I think your generation is helping to change some of that. Yeah. But... I think one of the things that really has been wonderful for us is that we've leapfrogged back and forth. When I was in a job that was just fucking the life out of me, he encouraged me to quit when I didn't even have another job. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the people returned. He was, his office was at home. He was the guy helping with the homework and driving the morning carpool. I was the one who traveled. I was the one who had the insurance and the vacation and the 401k. But he just said, they don't want to see my message anymore. Go in and quit. And I said, can we afford it? He said, God can. And he said, I just, mm-hmm. this just isn't working. Mm-hmm. And he supported me completely. And then my, my teenage son was 
a little concerned. He put his head in his hands and said, great, now nobody around here has a real job. <laughs> because his dad worked home. But um, <laughs> Our kids but, have you know, done that too, you know? Like that yeah, concerned... Like, well, how is this going to affect me? Yeah, concerned look gets darted our way, and then I catch myself. Oh gosh, maybe we should be having this conversation behind closed doors. Yep. But, yeah. Yep. Yep. It, 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 it was an interesting process, but you know, God was so faithful, and that young man who made that remark went to a private Christian college, and our commitment to him is that he would have no debt uh, if he was able to get into that college and able to graduate in four years. But that he would not. That we put the bill. Now, when we said that, mm-hmm. we had to trust God for that, and you know, every single day, because they're willing to break that up in eight nights, he did pay with for you, Jamie. Yeah. Um, and we paid tuition books and, and dorm, and he was responsible for his car and his car insurance and his spending money, and when he walked across that stage, it was a joint success. And he said, you know, it was one of the most empowering things that he ever learned from us. Wow. That God told us that we did that I would never come up with that plan right uh, but when God said no I want I don't want him to get attached to this and if you could have convinced me we'd come up with nearly 30,000 extra dollars for four years in a row on the lap yeah God's pockets are deep and his word is true what he orders he pays for mm. it's a big deal I mean yeah. it really is but it was a great experience a little scary it wasn't the carousel where the ride is predictable, you know, like where the horse is heading. It was more like Mr. Toad's wild ride. You <laughs> never knew where you were going to, to careen yeah. next. But life with God is adventure. And sometimes I could use a little less adventure. But mm-hmm. he, he honors his word. And that takes me to sort of that next one on the list. It really, I think, syncs up with helping your loved one achieve their dreams. And that's choosing to honor mm-hmm. one another. Mm-hmm. Um, honor is taking a beating. to mind is the actions the the actions in displaying that he respects what I'm doing um you know supporting what I'm doing yeah I I would say definitely say it's displayed in action showing love yeah it's always something that visible or, or audible. Yeah. It's not just an attitude. It's an attitude that finds its way up and out in demonstration. So it's an action. Yes. The, the definition that I love is to regard with great respect. You use that word. To acknowledge or commend in either public or in private. Mm-hmm. And words that kind of describe honor are compliment or credit. You know, when you hear yes. someone accept an award and they credit a friend or a spouse or their parents for all that they did to help them be successful. It's praise, it's applaud, it's yeah. cheer and congratulate, it's all those kinds of things. And when we honor one another, we create an environment 
in our marriage that breeds trust, patience, and here's the good one, intimacy. Mm. Because you feel seen. Yes. You feel seen. So. And you recognize, wow, I didn't realize you were paying attention some of that time. Right. When I was locked away in that office pounding out the, the book on the computer. Or when you were spending so much time on those nights trips and then when we went to church, all these men who came up and said to me, Deb, thanks so much for lending us your husband for five full days. You can't believe the change that you've got been about in my life. Wow. Yeah. I would not have known about those things. And it, it, it bred an honor around not being impatient or frustrated when you said, hey, babe, I signed up for the June quest and I'm going to be gone for five days. Mm-hmm. I know what that's bringing. And I can brag on him and say, you go. This is something God blessed you in. Right. right. And so it's honoring not just what they do, but who they are. Yeah. A lot of acknowledgement in life comes to us for what we've accomplished. And it's just as significant. And we know this is our children, right? When they behave well. Mm-hmm. When they're polite, when they've said, I'm really sorry, I, I should not have done that, would you forgive me? And they're eight years old, you go, oh, thank you, Lord, we're doing something right here. Yeah. And it's for who they're being, it's, right. who they, it's who they're choosing to be. Yeah. So, so awesome. So awesome. It just reminds um, me of when my husband, I'm like overhearing, I'll overhear him talking with somebody on the phone or, you know, his friends and some things that he has seen in me, like what I do with prayer in the last year, God has really told me to pray right here, right now with that person. So after hearing me do that, he now It's like an honorable thing to hear him wanting to repeat that. And what was funny was I had no idea that he was noticing that, like that he saw that until he he told me that I'm now, you made a big impact on my prayer life and what I and how I respond to my friends now. Instead of saying, oh, I'll be praying for you, I reach out, put a hand on the guy's shoulder and now pray with them right then and there because of what, you know, God has done through me. So I just, that came to mind when we were talking about honoring and yeah, it's being seen. I love that. That's, yeah, that, yeah. that is, that's so, that, that's so good. You know, it, honor is an interesting concept and it's not always even based on the personal relationship. We may honor someone that we admire in ministry. We may honor someone that is a, a renowned artist or, or author or musician. We, we do it based on, not a personal relationship, but it's for what they do, it's for the role that they fill. Mm-hmm. And God calls us to so much higher a standard in marriage than that, because it's not another relationship on the planet, Jamie, where we know each other so intimately. Right. And that's, that's a really good thing. Um, yeah. The mystery that, you know, existed in courtship for believers is it, it disappears after a few years of marriage because the spouse really knows who we are. Mm-hmm. You know that when you are when you have a real intimate relationship with someone, sometimes just an exchange of looks and there's a whole conversation that just went on there without saying a word. Right, yeah. And so we, we know... We know one another, mm-hmm. warts and all, our pluses and our minuses, the weird stuff we do, the shortcomings. And there's a, a saying that's kind of a cliche, but cliches 
are often repeated because they're true, and that is familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes what we know about someone may reveal a few chinks in the armor and a few flaws or flies in the ointment, I guess. Right. We know their public face, the one that they share with the world, but we know the one that's real. So think about it this way. If I have a guest in my home and it's been raining outdoors Uh and they accidentally track mud into my house, well, my first instinct while they're apologizing is to reassure them and say, hey, it's not a big deal. Once this dries, we're going to just be able to vacuum it right up out of the carpet. Don't give it a second thought. But if my husband muddies the carpet, my response might not be so gracious. What on earth were you thinking was the mess you made? <laughs> right. Now, I've offered honest to a visitor, but not to the one who actually shares my home. Mm-hmm. And I think of all of the 31 choices in this book, Jeannie, I think this is one of the toughest. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm so grateful. That Jesus, who knows me inside and out, right down to my innermost thoughts, does not take that approach with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is our call, to be like him in all that we do, including those relationships, when it's almost tempting to say, well, I can snap a little bit, because he knows I love it. Yeah. You know, if I, if I don't go charge with her, she, she gets it. She knows I'm not really upset with her. Right. Just everything else is going. So, putting honor on the list, it's probably one of the things that I really had to do. Yeah. I grew up as an only child, and I didn't share well. I could be grumpy, and there was really, you know, just the adults in the house, and I wasn't grumpy around them because they'd correct me. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a lot of growing up to do, mm-hmm. and because our experiences in life are so different, we learned lessons from one another. Yeah. And this was, this was frankly, one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting out of the armchair critic mm-hmm. role and that doesn't mean you don't say hey this, you did this and it really bothered me I want to talk to God but it's the sarcasm which is you know mm-hmm. very prevalent and it's my least favorite language because there's this one two punch oh thanks so much for that and in, initially it's, it's like oh they're saying thank you oh no that was a backwards smack mm-hmm. um, it leads us in the direction of one way, and then it dumps us. Yeah. So and Zig, one of my favorite quotes in terms of Ziegler, he said, there has never been a statue erected to honor a critic. Mm-hmm. And critical spirit is the opposite of honor. Yeah. So good. Well, that, that comes to mind with my husband having a coin collection. Now, uh-huh. I have... Zero interest in coins, but he, <laughs> yes. he gets that enthusiasm that you're talking about when it comes to coins. He loves the history of it. He loves the yep. hunt of the find, a good find, and just the whole treasure hunt of it all along with the history. So. Yeah. I just cannot even, to understand it, to even get a relation going, like, oh, I can, I can yeah. get it, I can understand it. I really, I really don't because it just zero. It doesn't appeal to me. So I try my best to get into it with him, but I feel like I'm putting on yeah. this <laughs> little fake mask and this kind of, you know, this frozen smile just so that I can <laughs> appease him, right? So yeah. he knows that I don't, but he loves just sharing it with me because he can't yeah. help 
keeping it inside him when, you know, because we're, we're married, we're one, you know, we're united. So whenever something excites him, he, he wants to share it. Whenever something excites me, I want to share it with him. Yep. It's a perfect example. Yeah. And I'm going to let it take us right into support if I can. Yeah, sure. Because support, support doesn't always have to be a grand gesture, a big deal. And sometimes it is doing exactly what you just described. <laughs> it's showing some level of interest in the things that your spouse enjoys or is involved in. And that's a great way to say, I'm not that much into coins, baby, but I'm into you. Yeah. So tell me about it because you're excited about it. I can remember a time years and years ago when my kids were fairly small, that there was this huge big event for people who do all kinds of crafts. Mm-hmm. And I like to get. And she said to me, do you want me to go with you? I was shocked. Yeah. I said, okay, so you might be the only guy there. And he was one of like a handful, really and truly. There weren't many. And every time we passed one, they looked at each other like, dude, right? <laughs> it was just funny. Yeah. But he walked the floor with me. He carried the bags for me, the things that I bought. Aww. He helped me pick out the shade of blue or that shade of blue. He didn't give a rap We ran and got a bit of it, but he, he cared about me. Yes. And it was those kinds of things that we've done. He loves guns and shooting. I was the mom who didn't let her little boy play with guns, then we moved to Texas, and now they all shoot. <laughs> um, and, you know, he'll be looking at a gun he wants, and he wants to tell me all about it. And I can almost feel my eyes glass over. <laughs> but it's something he enjoys. Yeah. And so, because I enjoy him, I get to, I get to watch him in delight and in abandon and in excitement. And, you know, it's contagious. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for him when he's in that mode. Right. If, if you're parenting, support has a different look to it. Being able to support one another. If one parent says no, and they go to the other parent, and they don't say, what did your mother say? She said no. Well, I'm saying no, too. Mm-hmm. Um, or she said no. Well, I'm overriding your mother. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. And kids recognize really quickly, they knew if they came to either of us and asked to do something kind of out of the norm, mm-hmm. our first question was going to be, did you already talk about this with your dad? No. But let's wait until he gets home a little later and let's talk about it, the three of us. Mm-hmm. And it was like, bang, they knew. Yeah. yeah. Because right. if, they can, if they can put a wedge in there, mm-hmm. I mean, my guess is, Jamie, you can think of friends or family members or, you know, whoever, that those parents are not on the same wavelength. The kids take full advantage of that. Yes. And then the parents are at odds with one another. And so supporting one another in in that child-rearing piece is really important. And I think one of the others that's important is the whole in-law issue, which was the first book I ever wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have three sons and three incredible daughters-in-law. And I heard heartbreaking stories from mothers-in-law, from daughters-in-law, and even from the men in the middle who felt squeezed. Mm-hmm. I love both of these women. They play different roles in my life, but they hate each other. Um, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Now, let's face it. Your spouse's family may not be the ones that you want to, you know, hang out with all the time and spend every holiday. But if you love your spouse, you find a way to honor the role that that family plays. I always tell mothers-in-law, hey, when your son got married, you needed to remember you were never supposed to be the most important woman in this life. Mm-hmm. And, 
And daughter-in-law, well, she couldn't be all bad because she's the, she's the mama who raised the men in your dream. Mm-hmm. And so even being able to support those family differences, the men in the middle are really stuck. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make both women happy. And I, I remember speaking with a young woman who, I think they've been married a couple of years, and she said, my mother-in-law made it clear she was not interested in a relationship with me. She had been a single mom, had raised this one child, one young man, by herself, mm-hmm. and she was not happy that he had chosen another woman to take first place in his life. Yeah. And she was not, the daughter-in-law was not bitter. She was so sad. Mm. And when her, her mother-in-law would invite just her husband for dinner, um, she said, you know what, go ahead and go. It's okay, I'm fine. Mm. And she was supporting him, but about a year in the marriage, she said, you know, I've made it real clear to her that we're a package deal. Yeah. And if you're not invited, I told her, I'm not willing to come. Yeah. So he then supported her. And it took a while, Jamie, mm-hmm. but they really did come together as a family. So good. So there's a lot of a lot of different ways to provide support for one another. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just helping that person you love process maybe, I don't know, painful criticism or feedback that happened from a friend or at work and say, you know, I'm so sorry that you're upset about this and you don't want to kind of talk it through. It, it may be encouraging your spouse to pursue an interest or mm-hmm. a, a new venture. And certainly when our spouse includes either a friend or a family member, that's really the time to come up and just really, you know, like Aaron did, hold Moses' arms up because he was weary and couldn't do it any longer. Sometimes just our physical presence. But support is also speaking the truth and not. Yeah. And when we, when we share a, an upset that's happened to it, a friend or at work or family, sometimes it's so tempting just to say, well, clearly, you know, they're, they're crazy. They don't want to be found about. But I'm grateful for the time that my husband has said, well, now let's, let's turn the tables a little bit. How would you feel if that had, if that had happened to you, if, if the roles were reversed? Mm-hmm. That's support. Yeah. Does it feel like support in the moment, Jamie? Because right. I really want him to tell me I'm right and they're wrong. Yeah, you're like, but which side not, are you on? That's not God's <laughs> support. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. Right. So lots of lots of different lots of different um, ways to to provide support for one another. And I love Ecclesiastes four nine. The New Living Translation says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. And that's really what it what it takes. Yeah. Can you imagine doing life without your better half? No. That verse is definitely just such a foundational part in our marriage. I, I, when he's at in the dumps, you know, and a negative and losing hope, I'm there to pull him up and get him through, and then yeah. vice versa. If I'm going yeah. through my stuff, he's there to support and encourage me. So, yeah, absolutely, love that. But you know, it's interesting. The word that you know, the Bible tells us that men and women men and women are to leave their mothers and fathers and cleave to one another. And I got very interested in the word cleave when I was writing the first book about in-laws. Mm-hmm. And it means to, to glue or adhere to in such a manner that pulling it apart would destroy both of the pieces. Yes. It's never meant to come apart. Right. And that it's in that, in that joined strength 
that joined support are involved and navigate. Mm-hmm. But we can stay upright sometimes through really difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. And when you sow that kind of support, you always get it returned, almost always in a, in a godly, Christ-focused marriage. Yeah. There was a period of time in my life, in five months, that my mother and her sister were involved in a terrible car accident. My mm-hmm. aunt did not survive. My mother was not expected to survive. She did. Mm-hmm. But she had a head injury that impacted the rest of her life. And then that impacted the rest of all of our lives. Mm-hmm. I, four weeks later, I miscarried a baby at five months along. My brother's 18-year marriage broke up and he attempted suicide. Oh, wow. My husband was an absolute rock. And you know, it's funny, someone said to us, probably a year later, I just kept thinking, oh, not another thing. These, these folks are going to just fall apart. And she said, I just watched you get up every day, put one foot in front of the other, do what needed to be done, and still praise God. Yeah. And truthfully, I never stopped to consider the cumulative impact until she said that to me. Mm-hmm. After we had gone through the sports summit. And Ron and I talked about it, and he said, well, on days that you were down, I had to care for you. And on days that I was down, you carried me, and yeah. you got through it. Yeah. It's that simple. We knew we couldn't both go down at once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had to have somebody who was willing to stand up straight and call down heaven and all of the kind of things that when you're in that place, you just, you can barely get up and get showered and dressed every day. Right. And so support is absolutely critical. And the last one of these that we'll touch on quickly is if you're going to do all of these things, if you're going to help each other, support your spouse, if you're going to help them achieve their goals, if you're going to support them, you have to learn how to be a really good listener. God mm-hmm. gave us two ears one mouth. Yeah. Maybe the indication we thought we should talk only half as often as we listen. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a lesson there as well. <laughs> but I, Isaiah 42 20 says you hear with your ears but you don't really listen. Because hearing happens with your ears and you listen from your heart and your head. Mm, yeah. It takes place in a different in, in different zones if you will. Yeah. And listening is a challenge and while, while people can go and learn how to speak well and speak in front of a group and speak comfortably and eloquently. I don't, I can't ever remember anyone going, oh, I'm going to keep this really good listening class. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody does that. Right. And yet, being heard and understood is one of our greatest human needs. Mm-hmm. We can hear, I can sit in a room where there's a conversation going on to my left, the television is on to my right, and I'm hearing all of that, but the person I'm speaking to is the one I'm genuinely listening to because listening is always a choice. And if the background noise gets too overwhelming, then we can move. But there's noise all the time, and sometimes it's not around us, it's in us. Mm-hmm. It's the distraction. I just felt my phone vibrates. Oh gosh, it's almost time to go pick up the kids from school. I've only got about 20 minutes, and I got a couple times to do this. There's a running dialogue going on in our heads so much of the time. Right. And we're nodding and we're smiling and we're making eye contact like nothing's going in. Or we're picking up every third word like a bad FM station. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most purposeful choices 
however many, because listening never happens on accident, it happens on purpose. Yeah. Because the listener is invested in the life of the talker. It's an investment to really give someone your undivided focus and attention. And we live in a very noisy world. So good. A very noisy world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listening happens as a matter of choice. There are so many times where we can look straight oh. at the person's eyes and nod, yeah. but we're not doing the yeah. actual listening. Well, think about if you had a dollar for every single time that you said to your husband or he said to you, you never told me that. Well, yes. you know you have. Yes. And right. they were present and they were doing anything else. But we can't, there's not a, if there was just a meter on our forehead that said, Really, really, really close to the thing and not paying attention to the notification uh, in my head. Uh, we could save it, but I'll tell you that part of it, we can manage. And that comes around to choosing the time to have the conversation, especially if it's a significant one. Right. You know, Ron worked from home, and he juggled the three boys, and he was also on tap to get my mom to the doctor's appointments and the hairdresser midweek and frankly if she had to choose between us I'd have been at the curb she fell in love with my husband and there was no going back <laughs> but I would sometimes come into the house with you know my my purse in you know kind of tucked under one arm two bags of groceries and the phone against my other ear yeah. and he's he opens the door and he's so excited about something and he wants to tell me about it right that moment well, this is not my moment to be a good listener. <laughs> right. And if we're observant, if we're observant, we can we can recognize just because I want to tell you this right now, yeah. or have this conversation with you right now, does not mean that you are ready to do that in a way that's going to be mutually agreeable and produce a good outcome. Right. I need to talk this minute. If I insist on that, I can take so much of the potential of a good outcome from that conversation mm -hmm. right off the table. Yeah. And so there are times when, you know, he'll come in and say, hey, I want to talk to you about this and such and so and so. And I'm in the middle of a chapter. I'm off, I'm in the groove. Don't bust me out of my groove. <laughs> yeah. And, and, he always, and he, we've, I mean, we've really trained each other to say, is this a good time? No, baby, it's not. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then when would be better for you? And I'm always committed to commit to a time because I can't just say, well, I can't really, just, uh, I'll talk about it later. Yeah. I owe him to say, you know what, give me about 45 minutes to finish up this chapter and then I'll come into the family room and we can talk about whatever it is that you wanted to tell me. Mm -hmm. if, if, if we want a good outcome, we ought to set the stage for it. So good. And if somebody's already upset or mad, I mean, in the middle of a disagreement, if you can feel anxiety rising or tempers beginning to flare, it's such a good idea to say, you know what? We're not going in the right direction here and I can feel God's spirit just being grieved over this. Mm -hmm. Could we take a 20-minute break yeah. and kind of take a deep breath and come back to this and talk about it? And so the willingness to hear somebody has so much to do with where we are in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so asking for permission is is an important part of the process. So good. Uh, if you need to go in the other room, close the door, whatever it is, so that when you come to listen, you can really do it with open ears and an open heart. Mm -hmm. And you've left the think of the day 
and whatever happened, and the crowd in the grocery store, and the fact that the bottom fell out of the one with the milk in it—that's yeah. not a good place to start a conversation. That's important, right? Yeah, and and remember to ask questions if things aren't clear, instead of making assumptions that what they said is what you believe they meant. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll I'll say to him, "Can I stop you for a second? I don't understand what you just meant when you said blah 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 blah." Mm-hmm. And he'll explain to me, it's like, oh, okay. And I had, I came and came on the agenda and said, that is not what I thought he was saying at all. I'm glad I asked for clarification. Because yeah. I just felt very different about that statement. So listening, I think, is for many of us. We have a preference to talk. Mm-hmm. And we really do believe, I think, in some relationships, whether they're marital relationships, parent-child, friend, whatever it might be, yeah. that... Because this is important to me, and I want to talk about it now, you have to listen to it now. And maybe they even will oblige you, but you won't be nearly as successful right. if you can genuinely listen and not just hear in that moment. Yeah, I wish I knew all of that beforehand. I mean, you know, the early years of marriage and, you know, just learning that on the way of when is a good time yeah. to talk when is the good time to listen yeah. and my husband may give me a nod and a yes or even respond but then later go did you bring this up with me I don't remember you bringing this up with me. I'm like yes I did I brought yeah. it up to you but yeah. now that I have been with him long enough I know what times even where we're at in his office, that's not the time to talk about things because he's too distracted. He can't really truly listen. So I know the right times now when he will take what I'm saying and actually, you know, listen and be able to be responsive to it. So, so right. good. Absolutely. All the, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. From, from my experience. You have to remember. I was married 35 years when I wrote this book. Right. Yeah, it didn't take me 35 years to come to all of this, but it wasn't overnight. It's not add water and stir. Remember, as a as a person raised as an only child because of the age difference in my brother and I, I had their undivided attention. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I should have that everywhere I went. Right. People don't believe that. <laughs> it, it was a real comeuppance, I'll tell you. Yeah. And it's certainly not an intimacy builder in life. Right. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever says, oh, if I just had one great talker in my world. You know, everybody's longing for somebody who really listens to them and hears their heart. Mm-hmm. Gets who they are. Because yeah. that's almost always going to produce that spouse in your life who will support you, help you achieve your goals and your dreams, and honor you. Yeah. Because they feel honored. They feel supported. And mm-hmm. they know that we see them. Those are four of the 31 tips, but I got to tell you, you did a great choice picking them. They were all good choices. Can't wait to read all through the 31 choices because they're all amazing and you have so much wisdom and through what God has spoken through you and your experiences. And I just thank you for so grateful for you to share all that you know with us today. Well, thanks so much. It was fun. I've enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. 
And I just really bless your podcast. I think that what you're doing is, it's, it's just really important work. Yeah. Keep it up. Yeah. Thanks, Deb. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Thank you so much for listening today. I trust that God has encouraged you through this message. For more information on this ministry and to access free downloads, please visit my website at jamieelizabeth.com and sign up. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jamie Elizabeth She Speaks Life. That's J-A-Y-M-E Elizabeth She Speaks Life. Until next time, my friends, I pray God reveals himself through your own life story.